Welcome to Real Money Talks. Real strategies from the money makers and the world changers that you can use to make millions, keep those millions, multiply your wealth, and build your team. Here's your host, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View, Laurel Langmire. Hi, this is Laurel. Welcome back to Laurel's Real Money Talks. This is a podcast about how to make money, how to keep money, how to invest money, why you use a team. So few companies or industries integrate. Now, and integration means that the team talks to each other, right? And they strategize together and they do it on behalf of the client, not on their individual product or service that they're selling. So we are back on Laurel's Real Money Talks and we have a very new how to make money and be in business and uh, an international guest today. So Brianna's with me. She lives in Costa Rica. So Brianna, welcome to Laurel's Real Money Talks. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about you. You grew up here right next to us in Fallon, Nevada, and uh, talk a little bit about your early beginnings and what had you land in Costa Rica. Well, I mean, I started working at a really young age. Uh, I think I was about nine and I started cleaning houses for all my grandma's friends and their friends. I remember having them all scheduled in my little notebook. (laughs) By high school, I had my own landscaping business with a few of my close friends. I mean, I also worked countless W-2 jobs off and on, but I was never really comfortable working for someone else. After high school, I moved to Reno and I started my own makeup business where I did makeup for models, photo shoots, weddings. That eventually led to doing theater makeup and wig design where I became head of department Broadway. Yeah, it was really cool. During that time, my friend and I also started selling an upholstery business. So things were going really well in Reno. But one day I was offered the opportunity to move to Costa Rica and I just didn't want to pass it up. I mean, it was hard to leave my family and the businesses I was creating, but I didn't want to regret not taking it. And I knew for me that the hardest part was not going to have multiple streams of income to rely on. So I guess right before we moved, I joined a network marketing business just to ensure it's come kind of cushioned to fall back on because I had no idea what our plans were going to be once we arrived. And yeah, that was a really good decision. After about a year in Costa Rica and building that business, we were able to buy a little bar here that we turned into a successful nightclub. And a few years after that, we were able to get a delivery and advertising business. My goal eventually became to own three successful businesses by the time I was 30. And I was able to hit that goal one month before my 30th birthday. But truth be told, (laughs) I've always felt kind of like an imposter when it comes to business. Like the old saying, fake it until you make it, has always rung pretty true in my life. <laughs> Why is that? Because you were doing a lot of businesses, but what, not creating enough cash flow? No, just because I was always looking for the next best thing, and I never wanted to miss an opportunity just because of my lack of knowledge or skills. And so usually I would just lie <laughs> and say, yeah, I've done that before. <laughs> Awesome. That's awesome. And I don't know if I like it. the live part. <laughs> I always say uh, act as if. Act as if you're an expert and then find team as fast as you can. So, you know, like most entrepreneurs... Well, when you're, you know, in your early 20s and then, you know, an opportunity comes along and say, well, have you done this before? Yeah, I have years of experience. <laughs> don't worry. You, I call those your yes moments where you have no idea what you're doing and then you very quickly go figure it out so you uh, can be yeah. successful. So yeah. talk a little bit about the nightclub. So, I mean, we're here because you were in our virtual meetup and marketplace. So our virtual meetup and marketplace, for those of you listening all over the world, 
is available now for everybody all over the world. And it, it starts on a Wednesday night. In fact, we have one tonight and goes till Friday. We have you sell through the weekend and you learn this marketplace technology that we've been teaching for now decades. And uh, Brianna won third place in our last event. And uh, I bring that forward. Um, first, talk a little bit about the event and what you learned. But I bring it into our conversation to talk about the fact that we're in the middle of COVID as we're doing this interview and the nightclub, you know, got shut down. So great thing you had extra streams of income. So let's kind of back into what you sold in in the interim and probably even still now uh, as the nightclubs are opening back up. So talk a little bit about the event and what you learned and what you sold. The event was an amazing experience. I've never done anything like that in my life. And I mean, especially during this time, I just, I have been watching all of your, your videos on Facebook, the COVID awareness videos, and they taught me so much. And I just, I knew that I had to join the event just to become more a part of the community that you lead. And just the network alone that I've created from going to that event, not to mention the money that I made, I never imagined that was going to happen. What did you end up selling? So for those of you listening, what we do is we start like uh, on the Wednesday night, we introduce our integrated wealth team and how you use a team. Most people aren't oriented or trained on how to use a team. And then Thursday and Friday, we teach them how to make money. So what were you selling as you were in the marketplace with your funnel? The ultimate goal is in my MLM to get people to join my team. My team is amazing. And to me, it's more of an opportunity to be able to join my team. And we kind of look for the right people to be on our team. So my entry product was actually a raffle ticket. And that was that included a VIP night at our nightclub and it's partnered boutique hotel. And wow. that was yeah the entry product. And then for every every level up, you would get more and more raffle tickets to get into the, into the raffle. Oh, and that awesome. worked out really well. It seemed like I got a really excited and positive response from doing that. So essentially they're getting a raffle ticket and they're going to have to find their way to Costa Rica to your nightclub to take advantage of the experience, correct? Yeah. But I mean, so many people say, oh, I've always wanted to go there. Well, then get on an airplane. (laughs) Get on an airplane. Oh, that's awesome. And then in your direct sales business, what are you selling? Like what would be an offer that you would sell in your direct sales business? Well, I mean, it just depends. Every month I do different offers and just drawings for larger products. But during that event, I was just selling the memberships. And so it was anywhere from 35 to, you know, it could be over $200 to get a membership. But towards the end of the month, I did another sale was just for one cleaning product. And that was to get into a drawing for a diffuser. I mean, I just kind of get creative with it and then try to put things out there that I haven't done in the past. So it keeps people interested. And then also to grab those people that, you know, maybe they're not interested in a certain product that we might have, but they're really interested in another one that they didn't even know that we offer. So really, though, during the show, I didn't realize I thought you were actually using your direct sales business a little bit. Sounds like you were really focused on the nightclub during that whole experience which is awesome. And what I think the learning for those that are listening is, you know, this is always about how to make money and how different people do it and uh, how diverse entrepreneurs do it. So well done on that. I want to jump back to the nightclub. So tell us how you actually found the nightclub. Um, I'm sure that's got to be a great story, just learning a little bit about you and what happened with COVID. When we originally moved to Costa Rica, we started out at a place called Manuel Antonio and I mean, it was really, really beautiful, but it was a little sleepy for us being from Reno. 
because it's just 24 seven there. And so we found ourselves on, I mean, I remember one Sunday, all of the stores were closed. We didn't know that happened. So we we're stuck in the house without any food. <laughs> and then the power went out. So we're just sitting in the house starving with no power all day and it was raining. <laughs> we're like, mm, maybe we can look for a different spot and see what we find. And so eventually we came to Tamarindo and that it was a little more kind of aligned with what we're used to. There's a lot of nightlife and it's a big tourist hotspot. And we just started looking for, for businesses that we could possibly buy. And my husband always had in mind kind of a bar nightclub because he's always been involved in the music industry. And so we just kind of made those two dreams come true because I wanted to live outside of the U.S. for a really long time. And it just all happened really quickly. And it was really interesting. It was difficult at first. We spent a lot of time trying to find the right place and just kept, you know, getting a lot of red flags and and then having to let go each of them. And then eventually we both started, we found this place, El Grito. So this already existed. It was in a strip mall and it was just a little tiny bar. We actually used to, every night we would fill up the unit with all of the equipment. So the chairs, the tables, the speakers. And then at night we would pull everything out and close off the whole side of the building. We would charge a cover charge <laughs> and put all of our equipment out. And so it just became kind of this pop-up nightclub every night. And is it still like that? No. So eventually you know, our neighbors weren't weren't too happy with that. <laughs> and so we kept growing the events larger and larger until we just completely outgrew the space. And we knew that we had to begin looking for a larger location. One day, there's a huge complex that burned down right in the center of town. So we immediately went to the owner and we asked him if we can start building our club in the space. And we began building in October of that year. And then we reopened right before New Year's. So it was really quick. And actually, when we reopened, the rest of the location around us was still burned. <laughs> there was a graffiti artist that came and they they painted all over it. And I mean, so it looked very artistic and very, you know, underground. It was just like no nightclub I'm sure anyone has ever seen before. <laughs> so when you were in Costa um, Rica, started to build and get like, just talk about, I want to start with the finance side. I mean, how did you finance it? How did you get the, the money to do the purchase? Was it money that you saved? Did you get loans? How did you finance to get it rebuilt and reopened? We actually didn't get any loans. So we saved money before we moved here. And then we got all of the money from the multi-level marketing that we're involved in. And that was amazing to be able to do that. And that has really just kind of funded our dreams until we were able to make them work for us and then the profit is there with those businesses as well. But it's much more feasible here than in the U.S., I would say. <laughs> so what are some of the challenges that happened with COVID? Did you get completely shut down? And how did you do with yep. all of that? So we were completely shut down on March 16th. And we really don't have any plans to open until late November. Is that because of the country? Yes. November? Yep, for nightclubs. They say they're kind of following Canada's lead, I guess. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. They started slowly saying that we can open, but they just implementing a lot of ridiculous regulations. So we're going to wait until we're, you know, not restricted from actually making a profit. <laughs> so it's fine for us until November. I mean, it was a huge mental shift 
we're so used to that routine and living in that environment and at night. <laughs> and so just that alone has been a big change for us. It was really difficult wondering, you know, what options there would be for our employees. But we eventually got everything set with them. So they're all good and with all of our accounts. So what, what yeah, did you do with the employees? Well, there's one that's now working for me for the MLM. And then another one, we were able to get him back to his home country. And then the other ones are all receiving funds from the government. And then the rest of them, like our DJs and everything. So we started collaborating with our network of DJs throughout the world to host live broadcasts. And we've done a few showcases. And we're in another collaboration called Moviendo el Mundo, which is a project through Plur TV to raise funds for families in need of assistance through Latin America. So it's really cool because they've been getting donations for themselves, our DJs. And as well, they've uh, transferred that over into another project to raise funds for families in need. So it's been really neat to kind of watch this social experiment, I guess, involve in the industry. And I think it's opened a few doors that no one would have considered if we weren't forced to kind of, you know, pivot in this way during these times. Yep. Interesting. So let's go to your MLM. So now your income is coming from there. Sounds like for quite a while. And and I'm with you. My husband's Canadian. And I think the conservative opening of a country that really hasn't seen, you know, a huge spike compared to others, mm-hmm. it's really affecting their economy. I can just say it that way. Really affecting their economy by not getting people back to work. Um, That's the biggest thing I'm worried yep. about. I'm very, I'm really confident in the status of our business. And where it will be when we open, we're really excited to reopen. We have a bunch of plans, but I'm worried about the economy here. And if people can afford to even do anything with that long a break, it'd be right. interesting to see. Well, actually, before we leave the nightclub business, what lessons would you have? What lessons of opening a nightclub, moving to another country, uh, great experience. But what would you tell those listening that maybe have that dream or that idea that they just want to pick up and move, number one, and then you know, go for the business you really wanted. What were the lessons? Um, the biggest lesson for me was just to always have a support system. I mean, I have no formal schooling, <laughs> but I don't think that really matters in the end. It's doing the work, making the mistakes, taking risks to discover what works, what doesn't. Surrounding yourself with people who've been there and are where you want to be is the key. I've face planted so many times, but I have always had a huge support system of very talented and successful people that have helped me get back up and move forward throughout this journey. <laughs> so that's mm-hmm. my biggest piece of advice. Mm-hmm. Just have a really strong team. Yep. Yep. That's exactly what we talk about. So really quick before we leave the nightclub, how do people get in touch with you if you want to head to Costa Rica and go to your nightclub? Even if they don't even have a raffle ticket, they can just pay to walk in. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's called El Garito, so E-L space G-A-R-I-T-O in Tamarindo. So you can just find us on, on Facebook. That's just the easiest way. And there you can see all the fun stuff that we're doing, too. We kicked off the year with a really cool, we were involved in uh, one of the biggest festivals in the world for electronic music in January. They broadcast live every day from a radio station called Ibiza Sonica, and it was just incredible just to see that the journey that our little nightclub has gone through to get to that in January, so right before we closed. So if you go on there, you can see kind of all of our projects that we've done and that we're working on currently. Oh, that's awesome. Congratulations on that. 
Now let's uh, mm-hmm. switch over the rest of our podcast over to the direct sales business. So sounds like you've been in it for quite a while. Talk a little bit about yeah. what that is. Like, why did you choose that one of all of them that you can pick from? It's an essential oils MLM. And I've been studying essential oils since I was 18 years old. And so it just seemed really natural to me. And then, frankly, I just knew that that was becoming sort of a trend. And so I figured that was the best time to to get in it. It's something that I'm passionate about. And it was something that was becoming a trend. It was really fun to work it in the first year. I learned a lot in business. Just doing the MLM helped me to have the skills, the basic skills to start off with brick and mortar businesses. It became passive income after a year. So we built it up for one year. It became passive income and we just kind of watched it form itself, which has been really amazing because I could afford to take little breaks in between from working it and helping my team to go and work my other businesses. And so it's just been kind of this revolution between all of the businesses that they just sort of balance each other, which is really incredible to see. And it just everything kind of happens when it should. And we get to have focus on one, the next one, the next one as we need to. So what are some of the techniques? I know you've done very well, and obviously your family's living on that income, which is tough to do. I think a lot of people around the world have a very different, I must say, perspective of direct sales and MLM businesses. They see them as a huge entrepreneurial opportunity that's a lot of times not provided to them in other countries where the U.S. downplays it like it's a less than business. But, I, you know, some of my wealthiest friends, they six-figure a month earners in direct sales. So I'm a huge fan. Talk about the, just, I mean, you've been able to do that. What do you think some of the, I'm going to say, techniques or strategies that you've implemented to get to a successful level of income? So I think that's the hardest part. It's the same thing, my team. It was a group of us that started this together, and we have created a very strong team. We are very supportive to everybody that's working it as a business. We provide a ton of resources and just support to anybody that wants to work the business with us. It's just really fun. And we have to we have to make changes constantly. It's the same with, with any business. You see what people are being receptive to, and then if they're not receptive to it eventually, you change it and you go in a different direction. And so it's just the exact same as the trends in any industry. You just have to kind of follow them and then drop the ones that aren't working anymore and then move on to the next one and find the next one. And so you can never just have the same system in place forever. That doesn't work in any business. But luckily with our team, we have so many really intelligent people involved in it and really talented people that we just kind of shift around in whichever direction that we've needed to. What do you think the number one strategy is for building a a team in the direct sales business? I think getting involved with a team that's already led in the way that you would want to be a leader. Does that so make kind sense? of follow, so follow the leader and somebody who's already been successful. Yeah, exactly. For me, I'm very ethical <laughs> when it comes to sales, and you know, helping somebody get into an opportunity that I think that they could use. I'm very ethical about it, and so is my team. And the leaders of that team were before I came along. And so the way that it was brought to me, presented to me as an opportunity, is to me, a a way that it was done very ethically. And so I knew that that was a team that I would feel comfortable being a part of. And so that would be my my recommendation is just to find people that would do business in the way that you would. Yep, absolutely. Well, again, congratulations on uh, getting uh, on the top three of our marketplace. And 
be successful, stay successful. And uh, I've been to Costa Rica many times, so I think it's a stunning place uh, and interesting that so many Americans live down there. So good luck to you and your nightclub and look forward to uh, talking to you more in other programs we have. Oh, thank you so much, Laurel. And I want to thank you for just everything that that you and your team has provided. You guys have inspired me and your knowledge and guidance has just been extraordinary. You've helped me so much during these times and just given me the tools to kind of carve out the exact path that I needed. So I'm really grateful to your team. Thank you. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. So how do people get a hold of you? They just want to have a quick chat and check in. Through Facebook or Brianna Sponsi at gmail.com. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, Brianna. We'll uh, talk soon. Those the rest of you that are out there listening on Laurel's Real Money Talks. If you have a question, always go to asklaurel.com, ask a question, make a request, and uh, we'll follow up right away with you and help you move along. If you uh, can't find Brianna for any reason or any of the other guests that we've had on our broadcasts and podcasts, just let our team know. You can, again, go to the asklaurel.com or uh, just email in to our offices. And uh, we have a huge lineup coming June and July as we walk through these phases of uh, coming out of COVID. So stay tuned. Our podcast, as you can tell, is going to gear a lot towards how to make money, how to make very big transitions in your companies. Do you close the company? You know, how do you transition? How do you take on private capital? Do what you need to do to stay alive and stay thriving in these times. So stay tuned for more strategies, techniques, and talks on Laurel's Real Money Talks. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to the Real Money Talks podcast. Your host has been Laurel Langmire, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View. Want to learn more about off-Wall Street investing, tax strategies, and multi-million dollar business strategies? Visit liveoutloud.com slash podcast for past episodes, show notes, and resources. For some special wealth-building gifts only for Laurel's podcast listeners, visit liveoutloud.com slash podcast gifts. Do you have a burning question for Laurel? Visit asklaurel.com to submit your question, and it may just be covered on a podcast episode. So stay tuned and be sure to subscribe to get new episodes every week. Every week.